Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to take just a moment to thank all of you in our online campus, uh, either watching on Facebook or even on YouTube or even listening on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with, with us today. Uh, you are our family, and uh, we're so glad that you're joining us here as we continue and even wrap up the series called It's Complicated, But It Doesn't Have to Be. You know, today we're talking about dealing with toxic people and toxic relationships. And you know, when we talk about people, people can be the greatest spiritual asset or the worst spiritual curse in your life. People will come alongside you and they're going to lift you up. They're going to encourage you. They're going to equip you or they're going to come along in your life and they're going to be distracting. They're going to be destructive or just straight up poisonous. You know, you got to be careful who you're in a relationship with. And I would wager to say that each of us knows people right now in our lives that are just toxic. Either they are a toxic person in totality or they have toxic behaviors. People that are tempting you, harming you, bringing you down. And, and that person that you're thinking of that you would identify, I would bet that it's probably a family member. I don't know why this is, but I think it's a spiritual principle that every family has at least one difficult person to deal with. And just to prove it, let's go to the comment section. So whether you're in our campus or on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're at, just comment in the section below the, the answer to this question. Do you have a difficult person in your family to deal with? This is just a yes or no. You can use an emoji to throw your hand up, but answer the question. How many of you would say you've got a difficult person in your family to deal with, right? And here's the thing. Uh, because we know there's one in every family, if you didn't throw your hand up, it's possibly you. <laughs> Today, I'm going to be talking about the complicated, toxic relationships that are in our lives and how to uncomplicate them. So let me give you a working definition of what it means to be toxic. Toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing serious sickness or even death. You know, people within themselves contain poison. The Bible simply calls it sin. It's toxic because sin causes sickness and death in every area of our lives. That's why the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he said this, do not be misled. So, so in other words, when scripture opens that way, know that there is definitely a tendency or a possibility for us to be misled in our lives, okay? So it would be easy for us to, so don't be misled. And he goes on to say, bad company corrupts good characters. Now, it's easy to be misled in our relationships and to look at somebody who is toxic and has toxic behaviors and justify that relationship by saying, well, you know, they're not really that bad and it's not really that dangerous to my life. But the truth is, it is. It absolutely is that bad and it is that toxic and it is that dangerous because Paul said, don't be deceived. Don't, 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 don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That toxicity will corrupt you. It's easy to think, though, that, you know what, I'm going to step into a toxic circle of people or even a toxic relationship with somebody and say, I'm going to be the one that lifts them up. But that usually doesn't happen. What usually happens is, is that you step in and you try to lift them to your level and you get dragged down to theirs. As parents, uh, we worry about this for our kids all the time. You know, our kids getting caught up in the wrong crowd and them getting dragged down. And I remember years ago, you know, my kids are now, uh, my, my 
uh, daughter's about to be 18. My boys are about to be 19. They were probably around eight years old. And, and we were worried about sending them to school about who they would encounter. And not necessarily the kids were toxic, but those kids might have been exposed to toxic things. And, and our kids might have learned things earlier than we wanted them to learn them. And, and we just realized that that was going to be a possibility. And we, we, we deal with that when that happened. And so one day, you know, I'm wrestling with my boys and we're in my bedroom and, and, and I've got a big bed and I'm picking them up and throwing them down on the bed and I'm tickling them. And, 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 uh, and you know, back in the day, I could do that today. They're, they're both as big as I am. I can't do that with them anymore, but, but we were having a blast just picking up, tossing, picking up, tossing and, and, and kids just love that kind of stuff. And I enjoy doing it. And, and, and one of the times I picked up, uh, uh, one of my boys and I, I have to, I'm not going to tell you who said what, um, but, uh, but, I picked up one of the boys, threw him onto the bed, and I tickled him. And as I'm tickling him, I'm like on top of him, right? Tickling him. And the other one who's standing by watching it all happen says, Hey, look, dad's blanking you. And I remember that moment really, really clear. I stood straight up. I stopped tickling him. And I said, because dad was definitely not blanking anyone. And I looked at the other boy who I was allegedly blanking. And I said, did you hear what he just said? And he said, no. And I said, get out. And so I grabbed the other boy and I sat him down and I said, who did you hear that from? Because let's be honest, the main thing I was concerned about was not talking to him about that subject was, I just wanted to know if it was one of your kids who taught him that word, right? I wanted to know, <laughs> did he hear it at school? Did he hear it on the bus? Like, I wanted, where did that corruption come from that, that he would accuse me or say that that's what I was doing? So, uh, so, so anyway, uh, we talked it out. All's well, it ends well. He's fine. Uh, but, but, but my point is, is bad company corrupts. It pollutes. It poisons and it destroys. Now, here's a verse in the scripture. Again, this is Paul in 2 Timothy 2. It's a bit extreme, but it speaks to how toxic wrong relationships can be. He said this in 2 Timothy 2, 16. He said, avoid godless chatter. Now, godless chatter is anything that is opposite of, the, of God's best for you, right? So it's, it's sinful chatter. It's chatter about things that are wrong or things that are against him, his nature, and his best for you, right? So, so avoid godless chatter. Like don't, don't be part of it. Don't do it yourself and, and don't indulge it either. He said, because those who indulge in it, which means that you're either the one talking about it or you're the one providing a space to listen to it or to allow it to be around you, because those who indulge it will become more and more ungodly. It says their teaching will spread like gangrene. You're like, Aaron, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're not teaching me anything. Just because they're talking about things that are that are not godly and, and ungodly, actually, uh, doesn't mean that I'm they're teaching me anything. Absolutely, yes, they are. The kinds of conversations and the things that they're saying, the way that they're behaving is absolutely teaching you something by their attitude. It's influencing your attitude. It's influencing your thought, maybe even pressuring you to do some of the ungodly things that they are now celebrating and sharing with you. They are absolutely teaching you things. And it says that their teaching will spread like gangrene. Now, if you don't know what gangrene is, gangrene is this small infection uh, and it starts out small that way. But what it ultimately does is it stops the blood from flowing to a certain part of the body. And if it does that, because the blood carries everything that the body needs to survive, so it can stop it from flowing to a finger or to a toe or to a leg. And if it happens, then that part of the body, that appendage turns black and it dies. In fact, I'm getting ready to show you some. So here's your warning. Uh, and because I'm giving you a warning, I refuse to accept any emails with complaints that you got sick after looking at pictures of people who had gangrene. So if you don't want to see, look away right now and I'll tell you when you can look back. All right. If you've got kids, go ahead and cover your eyes. Do what you need to do now.
Okay, here are the two pictures of gangrene. Okay, take them away. Now, that's disgusting, right? In fact, if you looked and you were sitting next to somebody in a watch party that didn't look, or maybe just in the chat, let people know, that was nasty, it was nasty, right? Gangrene destroys, and that's what they said they're teaching, is like, it's like gangrene, it'll spread, and it'll kill parts of your life. So this, these pictures are the picture of what the wrong relationships can do to someone who is healthy. It's toxic relationships, man. And I think there are three kinds of toxic relationships. Of course, there are many others, but these are the most common ones that impact us today. The first one is the chronically negative. You know somebody like this. They're constantly judgmental of people. They're overly critical. They're constantly gossiping about other people. Like if you want to know the news of the day, especially bad stuff about people, they're the ones that are always the one bearing it to you. Nothing is ever good enough for them. They're whining and complaining. And actually they remind me so much of the people of Israel that, that nothing is good enough. The people of Israel were slaves in Egypt for over, for either over or just about 400 years. And God delivered them miraculously by sending Moses. And Moses brought a whole bunch of plagues on Egypt as he was obedient to God and the power of God brought these plagues on Egypt and, and, and Pharaoh decided to finally let the people go. And then, then he chases after him and God parts the Red Sea and, and the Israelites walk across the, the, the basin of the Red Sea on dry land. And then God crashes down the waves on top of Pharaoh and, and all of their enemies are destroyed. And they, they're headed to a promised land, a place that is, that is flowing with milk and honey. And it's not necessarily a place that I think would be awesome to go to, but they seem to think that. And, and either way, they're on their way to this blessed land and, 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 and they start grumbling. They've got food being provided to them every single day called manna. They didn't have to work for it. All they had to do was be obedient and travel and do what God told them to do to get to the promised land. And every day they wake up and there was this manna on the ground. So they've got food and provision. Their clothes wouldn't even wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. God just blessed them abundantly. And because they didn't like having to eat the same free manna that they didn't have to work for every day. You see where I'm going with this? Such a high level of blessedness. And yet they grumbled and said, well, at least we had fish back in Egypt. Like, you know, it's just fish made all the difference. Fish made slavery. Okay. Fish made all the oppression. Okay. Fish made that just fine. You know, somebody like that. In fact, if you know someone like that, just, just let us know in the comments. And remember, if you're in a watch party, don't point at them. That's not nice. That's not what I'm asking for. But do you know anybody like that? And then we have the controller. That's the next type of toxic person. This is somebody who is overbearing and demanding and manipulative and abusive. They'll use fear to intimidate you or even make you feel guilty all in order to gain control or the outcome of a situation or even to control you, to get you on board with whatever it is they want to do. In fact, you know somebody like this. In, in, in fact, why don't you put it in the comment section if you know. And some of you are like, yeah, you know, I do know someone like that, but I can't lift my hand right now because they won't let me, right? Like you, so you do. You know somebody that is the controller. The last one is, of course, the tempter. And the tempter is somebody who comes along and tries to, to get you to cross over your, your personal decisions and compromise your values to, to step into a place with them. This could simply be, you know, like a boyfriend who is pushing you to have sex or, or maybe it's your buddies who are pushing you to constantly go partying and go out to the bars and go drinking with them, trying all the drugs that they're doing. Or maybe it's a, it's a fellow student who is, who is constantly trying to show you pornography and trying to show you images of the, the, the girl in the 
class that they got that, that they shouldn't have, but they're now spreading around and they're trying to get you to, to look at them. Maybe it's just something that's innocuous, like somebody that's materialistic. It, it's somebody that, that they go out and they buy all this stuff and you spend time with them. And as a result, you're, you're kind of tempted to want all the same kind of stuff that they have. And so you compromise yourself. You, 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 you go so far into debt. You spend money on stuff that you shouldn't be spending because you owe it to bills and, and, and you wind up creating a situation for yourself because you were simply spending time around somebody who's materialistic. And so you become that as well. Now, these people aren't necessarily bad people, but the things that they're doing is definitely toxic and they're trying to involve you. Listen to me, toxic relationships can draw you away from God's best for you and into a lifestyle that can cause sickness or death in every area of your life. That means relationally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, mentally, you name it, it can bring death. Now, listen, as Christians... I understand that, that what I'm talking about and talking about toxic people, it sounds like we wouldn't want anything to do with them. But as Christians, we're like, wait a minute, you know, aren't we supposed to be all about people? And aren't we supposed to be accepting and loving of all people? And shouldn't we be about people because God is all about people? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah. In fact, each and every single one of us are ministers. You're like, hold on a second, pastor, you're the minister, right? And I'm like, no, no, no. According to Ephesians, we all are ministers. My job is to equip you for the ministry you're called to. We're all ministers and we're all called to love and called to serve people. So, so we can't just run from people because they are toxic or they're doing something toxic. So if God's about people and we need to be about people, how do we handle the complications of toxic relationships? That That's what I want to tackle today because the truth is, to answer the question, we, don't we need to be healthy? Yes. Yeah, we do. We must stay spiritual health, spiritually healthy because if not, we, we can't help others be healthy, right? Like they kind of tell you on the, on the, they kind of, they absolutely do tell you on an airplane. They're giving you all the safety stuff, right? They're like, okay, the exits are here and here. And this is how you put on your seatbelt. And this is the flotation device. And one of the other things they tell you is about this mask that's going to fall down that in case of, of uh, the plane losing pressure, that these masks are going to fall down and they tell you to take your mask and put it on yourself first. Because as a parent or sitting next to somebody who doesn't look like they are able to help themselves, you want to help them first. But they say, be selfish in this situation because if you don't take care of yourself first, selfish just means focused on self, right? If you don't take care of yourself first and put your mask on, if the cabin is losing pressure, that means it's losing oxygen. And what's going to happen is if you don't have that mask on and have oxygen flowing to you, you're going to pass out and be useless to anybody. So they say, put the mask on first, and then you can help other people put their mask on. And that's, that's absolutely true. In fact, in Jude verse, uh, chapter one, verse 23, it says, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. In other words, yeah, we got to be, be in the lives of toxic people, but we also have to protect ourselves first so that we can help. So the question remains, how do I remain healthy first so that I can help those who are not? Well, there are two simple principles of how to effectively manage toxic relationships, and they are to first set healthy boundaries. And there's a fantastic book by Dr. Henry Cloud called Boundaries. And uh, they, they have the book Boundaries, but they also have Boundaries in Marriage, Boundaries in Dating, Boundaries in Parenting, Boundaries in Leadership. Um, they, they've got all kinds of great workbooks for you to work through and discover how to do these. But, but understand what a boundary is first. A boundary keeps things that are bad out 
and allows things and keeps things that are good in. We have to understand as we approach people that people aren't horrible altogether, but there might be part of a relationship that is dangerous to you. And so what you need to do is put up a boundary in your relationship specifically for that area. Now, I talk to people about boundaries a lot and they say, well, that doesn't sound very Christian. That doesn't sound very loving and accepting. That doesn't sound right to me. And actually boundaries are very Christ-like. You know, Jesus loved equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. And that's what we have to understand is that boundaries are very, very loving, right? They're very, very important to understand that. They're not mean, they're loving things that you can do. Jesus loved equally, but he did not treat everyone equally. Uh, so, so understand that boundaries are very loving things that you can have in place in your relationships because Jesus did it. In fact, when you look at the people that were around him, there was the crowd of people and the crowd of people that Jesus preached to and spoke to, he didn't bring them in and privately explain the mysteries of some of the stories that he told. He did that with the 12, the 12 disciples or his entourage that, that he rode around with, right? The, the, those 12 disciples got personal time with him. They got deeper teaching than everybody else did. And then he even had three of those 12 that, that he took with him on special occasions. The JJP click, right? The, that's James, John, and Peter. He took them with him on special occasions. And only one of those three was his BFF. And that was the, the disciple that Jesus loved. And that was John. And so Jesus loved them all equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. When Jesus entered into a town, he'd heal some people in the town, not everyone. And Jesus oftentimes put a boundary up with everybody as he retreated to spend time with God before he would return to people. They, he'd come back and they'd be like, we've been looking for you everywhere. And he's like, well, I want to spend time with my father. Boundary, Right. Jesus even put a boundary up with the, the, the modern day pastors of the day, which were the Pharisees. And they would come to Jesus as he was teaching and they would demand answers from Jesus. And Jesus would reach into his pocket and hand them a pocket full of nope. Nope. Here, here's some more nope. I'm not going to answer you. I'm not going to respond to you because I don't have to. He, he would just say no. Peter, one of the close three, Jesus also put a boundary in as well. It was a really powerful thing to, to watch this play out. I'll show it to you in scripture, but here's what's happening. Is Jesus is telling all of the disciples, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day. And, and, and Peter got all kind of worked up and was like, no, that's not going to happen. And look what Jesus does is he puts up this boundary in Matthew 16, verse 23. He says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Now, some of you have said this to your mother-in-law, and I don't recommend that you do that. I don't recommend you do that actually to anybody because you're not Jesus. Okay, just saying. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. See, what happened is, is that Jesus recognized that Satan was using Peter to get him off of God's path. And so, so Jesus put up a boundary and said, nope, that's not for me. Listen, we have to be willing to set up healthy boundaries so that we can be healthy and minister better to others. There are two easy boundaries that, that you can put up. And I'm going to tell you that when you decide to put a boundary in place, you have to tell the person uh, that is affected by the boundary that the boundary exists. Because if you don't tell them about it, unspoken boundaries hurt. In fact, unspoken boundaries, people will run right into them and you may get all catty and be like, no, I don't do that anymore. And all it does is just creates more toxicity. You have to tell the person with whom you're putting in a boundary, I'm putting in a boundary like this, and this is why. Years ago, I, I had a job at a, a company, and um, 
when I started there, I thought I was doing really well. I got to my 90 days and I came in and my boss was like, hey, let's do a review. And I was like, awesome, that's great. I'm doing a great job. And I thought she enjoyed me because I, I, I just, I, I thought it was going well. And I said, yeah, that's great. And she's like, do you have time now? I was like, for, for sure, absolutely. I mean, I've always got time for rewards and for accolades. Yeah, absolutely. And the next thing I know, she's yelling and screaming at me over violations of dress code, um, that my phone wasn't on vibrate, even though nobody else's phone was on vibrate in the building. Um, but mine was the only one that played songs. Everybody else's was just like a normal ding or a ringtone. Uh, she's yelling at me over stuff in my projects that I was managing that I didn't know I was supposed to manage. There wasn't clarity in, in my work responsibilities. There wasn't clarity in expectations as an employee. And I just kind of looked at her and said, you know, I, I, I never received a handbook on some of these things or else I would have been doing them. I'm sorry. And I I'm, don't know how I missed the clarity in this, but but if I had all this, I would have been obedient to it. Like I'm a good little worker bee. I want to do well. And and after that, she never had a problem with me uh, in regards to those things because I, I had clarity. I finally understood the boundaries of and what was expected of me in my behaviors. But because I didn't know, I ran smack dab into a boundary and it was really, really painful. I was embarrassed because she yelled at me in front of, I mean, it was like, it was everybody. It was open air office and it wasn't fun. Um, so, so make sure if you have boundaries, whether you're a boss and you have employees or if you're, it's a, you're in a relationship with someone and it's, and it's to, to put a boundary around some toxic behaviors, uh, to keep the good in and the bad out, that, that you communicate those boundaries. It'll just be healthy, okay? And so, so here's one of the, one of the kinds of boundaries you can use. These are just an example. There, there are plenty of them, but one of them is, I won't let you talk to me or treat me that way. Now, this is not you fighting with them. This is not you, you know, pulling up with fisticuffs and ready to come to blows. This is you calmly setting a boundary, saying to them, I'm not going to let you talk to me that way, or I'm not going to let you treat me that way. If we're going to continue on in this conversation, it's got to go different. If we're going to continue on walking together, doing this activity, it's got to be different. Boundary, right? So here's what it looks like when a toxic person tries to come up to you and maybe tries to gossip and tell you all about the, the most recent news that they've heard. And, and they even tried to disguise it in the form of like a prayer request. Like we need to be praying for sister so-and-so because I heard that her husband cheated on her and she's not dealing with it really well, right? That's, that's just gossip. Somebody tr comes up to you and tries to, to, to gossip to you, put in a boundary. It's, no, thank you. I'm out. I don't, I, I'm not interested in, it sounds like you need to go to them and talk to them, but I'm not interested in this. Um, because the Bible tells us that in Proverbs 26, 20, that where there's no wood, the fire goes out. And in fact, where there's no gossip, the quarrels stop. So if you don't give them somebody to gossip to, then a gossip can't gossip, right? So, so just put up a boundary. No, I'm not, I'm not gonna allow you to gossip to me. I don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Or maybe, maybe, Ladies, you're, you're in environments, maybe in, at work or in social environments where all the ladies are tearing down their husbands and you feel social pressure to tear yours down and you just choose, I'm not going to be part of that. I'm, I'm going to let everything that I say about my spouse be honoring to them. And I'm going to do what Ephesians 5 says, and that's avoid godless chatter, that, that I'm just not going to be part of that and say, no, thank you. I, I'm not interested in hearing you trash your spouse or, or guys, you know, what about just being out in public or maybe even on a, a website and, and this happens. And I'm not saying you're bad because this happens. It just does happen. But, but when a girl who is, who is inappropriately dressed or at least maybe is dressed okay as far as how they feel, but for you, it's inappropriate and it leads you to additional thoughts and you continue to gawk and imagine and, and allow your mind to be polluted. How about instead of, of staying in that space that, that you go, 
I'm going to bounce my eyes. I'm, I'm just going to look somewhere else. And because you've decided that, you know, what Matthew 5, 28 says is true, that if I lust in my heart after her and think about her in these ways, I've already committed adultery with her. It's just, it's just as bad. It's, it's, I'm not going to let you talk to me or treat me that way. It's just simple boundaries, guys. Simple boundaries. And here's the thing. They don't, the person that you put a boundary uh, in your life uh, against that toxic behavior, they don't have to become like you. They just need to respect your boundaries. So don't, so don't preach at them because honestly, you might have an opportunity at some point in time to explain why you have a boundary and, and why it exists and, and, and be able to point them to Jesus. You, you never know. The second, second thing uh, that's easy to say or a boundary that's easy to say is, is I'm not going there with you. Wherever there is, whatever that means to you, it's, I'm not judging you. You can go there. You can do whatever you want to, but I'm just not going to go there. Now, for me, I grew up in a relationship with Jesus, and there was a time when I became an adult that I intentionally walked away from him uh, and, and wasn't holding tight to everything I had learned from my parents and, and in my relationship with him. And as a result, I started doing anything and everything I wanted to. I lived boundaryless. Uh, and, and one of the things that I wound up doing and making a habit of was going to strip clubs. And I had this one particular friend that I went with all the time. This is just, that's what we did. We went. But when I gave my life to Christ, I realized that I was dishonoring God. I was dishonoring myself. I was dishonoring my future spouse as well. And I knew that that's something I needed to surrender. And so what happened was the, the invites to go continued to come. And I had to decline and say, no, I, I can't go anymore. I can't go there with you anymore. You can go, but I can't go. And for some of you, that looks different. It might just be that, you know, you keep getting invited to go to bars or go to parties and, and alcohol was destroying your life. And so you've got to put up a boundary and say, you can go, but I can't go. My life was a mess and I blame it on the alcohol and I'm not going with you. I'm just not going. Okay. Or maybe ladies, you're, you're married today and, 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 and an old BF slides into your DMs on FB. What that means is an old boyfriend slides into your direct messages on Facebook. That was the interpretation for all you old folks like me. And, uh, and they're, they're talking to you all sweet and saying, we should get together. I've been reminiscing about you. And, and ladies, you just need to shut it down and say, you know what? If you liked it, then you should have put a ring on it. I'm married now. I'm not going there with you. I'm not going to get coffee with you. Or maybe you're in a dating relationship. And there's some chemistry between you and this person, but you decide that there's, that there's a boundary here that you're not going to have sex with anybody until you're married and you're going to honor God's plans and purposes for your life. And so the, but the date is going really well and there's chemistry and you wind up back at their house and you get invited up for a cup of coffee, but you know exactly what that means. And so you put a boundary in and you're like, there'll be no hugging, no kissy until I get a wedding ring. And maybe they'll push back and say, my honey, my baby, don't put no, my love upon no shelf. You got to respond. Don't give me no lines and keep your hands to yourself, right? Come on, somebody. You have to decide to put healthy boundaries in so that you can please God with your life. God honors boundaries. You know, Shannon and I were dating uh, early on. I discovered that, that, uh, that, that man, this was the woman for me, but I have to be honest with you and tell you, I wasn't following Jesus really well. There was areas of my life that yes, I was following Jesus, but areas of my life that were not fully surrendered to him. My sexuality was certainly one of those things. And, and, and I would, if I'm being honest, I would tell you that in my relationship with Shanda, I was pursuing her, but I was also after that thing. You know, that thing that Lauren Hill talks about, right? That thing, that thing, that thing. Yeah, that thing. 
And uh, I'm talking about sex again for all you older people. And so uh, Shanda actually had to put a boundary in with me and said, no, I'm, I'm, that's not happening. I'm not having sex with anybody else until I get married because doing that is what, what made a mess of my life and, and led me to this place. And I'm, I'm just not interested in doing that. And so she put out that boundary and because I loved her and I cared about her and I respected her along the way, I even actually helped her reinforce that boundary when she was ready to compromise it. I said, no way, you'll resent me if I compromise your boundary. We're not doing that. But the other thing that it did, putting this boundary in place, kept me from from uh, pressuring her into doing what what clearly the, the 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 heat and the chemistry was there from what we wanted to do. This boundary kept us kept us in place, but it also hastened the marriage. The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn, and I was definitely burning for her, right? My burning the loins, right? So anyway, I'm just saying she's beautiful, she's hot, I love her, she's mine, she's my bride, all right. But here's the thing. I, I asked her to marry me within three months of meeting her. And six months later, we were married. Why? Why? It's not just because of that thing, but I knew what I wanted and it helped me get my priorities in order. And let me tell you something, ladies, if he isn't burning for anything, then he ain't going to get his priorities in order and take the steps necessary to make you his wife. Put some boundaries in place. Stop lowering the bar so much. Set healthy boundaries. There'll be times when people will not honor that boundary. You'll put it in place, you'll communicate it well, and they'll not honor it. And they'll persist and continue to pollute the relationship. They'll try to tempt you, they'll try to abuse you, they'll continue to poison poison your thoughts and poison your conversations. And here's the thing, if that happens, if they continue to pollute the relationship, then you simply must cut off the toxic relationship. So, Listen, I have to be clear though in this and tell you that if you're married, I'm not talking about divorce. If you have a toxic marriage, you are both to blame. Here's why I can say that. Because I know that one of you is being the aggressor and the other one is being an enabler. It is likely that you are too afraid to put boundaries in place that would lead to the health that your marriage needs. So for me, I'm telling you there is sin on both sides. And I would highly encourage you to fill out our community support, go to that forum, request to talk to a counselor, one of our pastors or one of our coaches and begin a conversation even with somebody in your grow group so that you can get the help that you need because you need to take some steps and divorce is not the step that you need to take. I'm also not telling you that you get to disown a family member. It's really hard for me to watch People say, well, that family member has been cut off from my life because of the way that they behaved and they write family families off. And I just don't think you get to do that. I think that if it's a member of your family, that is blood, man. You need to work through that pain. Of course, it involves boundaries. Boundaries are healthy, but I don't think you get to cut off family or marriage unless there is a threat of extreme abuse and for safety reasons, nothing else. Everything other than extreme abuse and for safety reasons, those things can be worked out. Because there's going to be, there will be times though, when it is necessary to cut off relationships with other, other types of people, friendships, coworkers, neighbors. There's going to be time when that's going to be appropriate. In fact, we see the Bible handling uh, the need to cut off relationships properly. In fact, Paul and Barnabas, these are two guys who are spreading the gospel in Acts 15. We see where they disagreed sharply over over uh, somebody that was coming on the journey with him. Barnabas wanted to bring this guy, Mark, with him. But Mark had demonstrated a lack of character. And and Paul was like, I don't want him on our team. I don't think he's he's a good fit. And so 
Paul and Barnabas sharply disagreed. Paul put in a boundary. Barnabas wasn't having it, so they went different ways. Doesn't make them bad people. Just means they put a boundary in place, and both of them continued to spread the gospel. But they parted ways as a result. There was a split. They cut ties. Also, we see in Deuteronomy 7, and, and then equally supported by Paul in 2 Corinthians 6, where it talks about not marrying people who are not in the, heading in the same spiritual direction as you. People that are not following Christ, Men, don't get sucked into dating somebody who doesn't believe the way that you believe. I know people push back and they say, well, I'm missionary dating and I'm going to win them to Christ. And let me tell you something, you will more likely end up in the missionary position than you would winning them to Christ. So stop the, stop it with this whole talk about missionary dating. You're not going to win them that way. That's not what we're supposed to do. They will bring you down. So avoid being unequally yoked, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 4. Yes, you can have non-Christian friends, but don't date non-Christian friends. Amen, everybody. I know that was hard for me to say, probably hard for you to hear, but I love you, and that's why I tell you that way. We see a great example of, of this play out of some other boundaries that should have actually been put in place uh, with the story of Joseph. And you'll see this in Genesis Joseph was a slave who had proved his worth and was promoted to the head of his master's house. So his master's name was Potiphar and he worked with uh, the Pharaoh and, uh, and, and he was high ranked in, in the, in the whole country. He was an important guy, had an important job and he was hardly home. Okay. And so Joseph was in charge of, of everything that belonged to Potiphar. And Potiphar though had a wife who was bored and unfaithful. And Joseph was a good looking dude. And since Potiphar wasn't around a lot, she kept coming on to Joseph. She verbally tempted him and tried to get him to sleep with her multiple times and multiple times Joseph refused. However, what Joseph didn't do, even though he said no, he refused to put a boundary in place and remove himself from that environment. In fact, in Genesis uh, chapter 39, verse 12, it says this, Potiphar's wife caught Joseph by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. So jo here, Joey is naked. He's ashamed and he's being accused by Potiphar's wife of sexually assaulting her. He winds up in jail over it because she lies and says, he tried to sleep with me and force himself on me. And here I have his coat to prove it. But why didn't he put a boundary in place? Well, he's just like a lot of you. He's like me sometimes. We're afraid. We don't know what the outcome will be. We don't know what they're going to say. We don't know. Are they going to be upset? In Joey's situation, his master might have been upset at him and he might have lost his position, lost his career. Who knows? And it's the same with you. You might lose a position in a community. You might lose favor with somebody because you shared like, hey, I can't be in this environment with this person. Who knows how the thing is going to come out? But I know this. It would have been more honorable to choose to enforce a boundary than to have to deal with the poisonous toxin that she was spewing on him on a daily basis. And here's the thing. Because he didn't put a boundary in, he wound up back in jail. So here's my question to you. What is it that you're afraid of? I'm challenging you today to count the cost because if you allow the toxic behavior to continue in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your family, and you don't put a boundary in, allowing toxicity has a cost associated with it too. And more often than not, you will be the one paying the price, not the person who's acting in a toxic way. So boundaries will help you and choosing it when needed and where allowable to cut them off will help as well. So here's my encouragement to you today. Don't compromise your values and your boundaries. 
You know, if, if you're, if you're here today and you're listening to me and you're a student and, and you've been caught up in, in an environment where people are, are sexting and people are sending dirty pictures of other kids around and humiliating and embarrassing people, or maybe they're just sending around pornographic images and they're, they're sending them to you. Ask them to stop. I know that's not going to be popular. Maybe change your number. I know that means you're going to have to tell everybody what your new number is. Maybe block their number or maybe if it's their access to you is through a, an app, Maybe just delete that app. Maybe it's just not worth it to have that social media app. Maybe you're somebody that's in business and there's a business opportunity that's coming down the way and it's just not an ethical one. And your boundary is to, to do things in a way that would honor God, to, to earn money and trust him by doing things ethically. Maybe what you need to do is, is, is if the business has become unethical, is to, to get out of the business. Maybe, maybe offer somebody to buy you out. Maybe it's just to take a total loss and step away from it altogether. Or maybe you're somebody who's married and flirting and it's time for you just to shut it down. It's not innocent. It is hurting someone. Be done with it. Or ladies, maybe, maybe it's just that, you know, you're, maybe you're dating somebody and who's just a jerk. And, and I'm, I can say that for guys or for girls. And honestly, I'm going to encourage you. Don't settle for a fixer upper. You don't need to do that. You can step out of the relationship Either put in boundaries that'll help it get better or cut it off altogether. That, that might be what you need to do. But listen to me. Cutting people out should be very rare, but it is sometimes necessary in order to honor God. So as you build your boundaries, remember this. Do it with love. Say, I need you to stop because. And, and tell them why. Say, I need you to stop because I love my spouse. I need you to stop so, because I, I need to remain clean and sober. I need you to stop so that I can honor God with my eyes. I need you to stop so that I can save money and be prepared for whatever. You say, Aaron, won't they be upset by my boundary? Maybe, but I'll tell you this. The only people who are going to have a problem with your boundaries are the ones who were busy taking advantage of you having none. So don't be afraid. That person who's going to be upset that you put a boundary in place is behaving in a toxic way and is possibly a toxic person. The boundary that you're putting in is to protect you. And who knows how God will use that in their life? Because ultimately you're doing it to be like Jesus so that you can be healthy spiritually, so that you can go back into a toxic world and help those who are hurting. Remember, in order to help those who are hurting, you've gotta be full of God's presence to do this. And if you wanna make a difference in people's lives, you need to have healthy boundaries in place or maybe even cut off that relationship if they won't honor them. So that you can show God's love to a desperate world because toxic relationships are complicated, but they don't have to be. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would give us wisdom to see um, the boundaries that we need to put in place or reinforce. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to have the difficult conversations that are coming ahead and give us the strength we need to maintain those boundaries and ultimately the grace we need to cut off the toxic relationships. I know that this isn't an easy subject and there are some difficult things to hear in this. And Lord, for that, I pray that you would soften our hearts. I pray that any of the defensive responses we have to a message like this, Lord, that we would, that, that um, our hearts would be softened, that we could lower those defenses and, and just hear what you have to say to us today. And I, I know, God, I know that you desire us healthy so that we can reach those who are sick, those who are living out toxicity in their lives. So help us to do that today. And as we continue in this prayer, in this moment, 
I'm well aware that, that uh, all of us can be toxic, especially when it comes to relating to God, that we have a whole lot of toxic misconceptions about who he is and about what he desires for us that he's angry with us, that he's just waiting on us to mess up, that he's this old man in a white robe who gets nothing but thrills out of shooting lightning bolts at people and, and killing them whenever they mess up and making their lives harder. And that's just not who God is. So forget all of that. These pictures of God that you can't come to him because of the baggage that you have and or that God doesn't want you or that he's angry or that you're not worthy of his love. And I need you to understand this. God doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care where you've been. He knew what you would do with your life and how it would turn out. And he loved you even still. Scripture says that while we were still sinning against him, that Jesus on the cross didn't stop and say, wait, before you put these nails in, is anybody going to say yes to me? Is anybody going to get saved? Well, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He gave us the greatest expression of love by going first and saying, I'm going to lay down my life for you because I love you. I'm going to pay a price for you even before you accept it. That's why this gift is, is we call it a free gift because it really is. It costs us nothing. It costs him everything to receive it, to receive salvation, to receive forgiveness. Jesus paid the price for us. God's already done everything so that you can be made brand new, so that you can step away from your toxic ways and get, a, get a, a redo in your life, so that you can find health in your relationships, so that you can have a full and fulfilled life here in eternity in heaven with him. God's paved the way already. All you need to do is accept Jesus today. Make him Lord of your life. Commit to following his ways and you'll find that your life will be better and it won't be complicated anymore. Not that everything's gonna go right, not that everything's gonna be perfect, but that you won't be alone because he will be with you and in you from now and forevermore. If you're ready for that, I'm gonna pray a prayer today and I would love for you to join me in that prayer. Just repeat after me, say, Jesus, I need you. Today, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you and show me how to tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And today we celebrate with you. If you made that decision in our online campus, there's a button that says I'm raising my hand and I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Would you click that button so that we can know that everybody gets to visually see that you make I'm making a decision today. Or if you're in our Facebook, uh, Facebook, you can say I'm, I'm following Jesus today. Type it in there. Or if you're on YouTube, type that in there as well. We want to celebrate with you. We'd love to connect with you. And the way for us to do that is if you'll make the next best decision you can make right now, and that's to click on our connection card somewhere around the campus here or even in the description of the video is a digital connect card and if you'll click that you'll have an opportunity to let us know by checking a box saying i said yes to jesus we'll make sure you get a bible we'll make sure you understand your next steps as a as a believer and as a christian you belong here with us and we just want to welcome you to the family so make sure that you do that let us have that opportunity will you please now, as we wrap up this series today, I want to again thank you all so much for being with us. Uh, you also have an opportunity to continue in your worship because giving is a way of worship. It's a way that we honor God 
first with our income and live sacrificial, generous lives as we give to him. So uh, you can do that. The ways to do that are all on the screen here. There are digital ways to do that. You can mail it in. Thank you so much for your faithful generosity uh, and what you're doing. We are continuing uh, to uh, just be blessed by that faithfulness. I uh, want to share also with you that, that man, if, if God is doing something in your life, I would love to hear it. In fact, on that digital connect card, there's a button that says, share my story. And if you click that, that sends an email directly to me. And you could share how these messages or any of our messages, maybe some steps of faith that you've taken, I would love to hear those, be encouraged by them so that I can encourage you and celebrate those steps of faith with our community. Like uh, I would love to hear your stories and what God is doing in you. So if you click on the digital connect card, you can share those with me as well. I would love to uh, love to connect with you and love to talk with you. So, all right, everyone. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here today. We will see you back here next week for a brand new series called What's Next. God bless you and we'll see you soon.